Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. When Jesus wanted to teach something important to his listeners or followers, he often wrapped his message in a simple, easy-to-understand story. The Bible calls them parables. Why did he do that? What is it about a story that grabs attention and allows complex issues to be presented so meaningfully? And more to the point, what was Jesus trying to accomplish with his storytelling? Well, we've got a master storyteller with us today via Skype. When you read his books or listen to him share with congregations large and small, you can know that you'll be hearing some stories blended into his presentation. Dr. Jennings, why did Jesus use parables? Hey, Charles, good to be with you again. And what a great question. And the reason, ultimately, the overarching reason Jesus used parables is he wanted to help people see how God's reality works. Mm. God is the God of creation. He builds and built reality. And so he wanted to differentiate artificial systems and constructs, religiosity, rituals, superstitions, things that actually don't connect to reality from God's reality so people can enter into living the way God would have them live. So the overarching theme of 100% of Jesus' parables were to reveal God's design laws, the laws upon which reality operate and disentangle from the ritualistic man-made rules that enter so much of our religions. Hmm. So Jesus used parables because design laws, just how reality works, law of gravity, laws of physics, laws of health, he's simply showing that God's kingdom is the kingdom of reality, whereas man makes up lots of rules to make things complex and confusing, superstitious, non-comprehensible. That's what religiosity does. Jesus is constantly, through his parables, showing that's not God's kingdom, all this religiosity stuff. God's kingdom is the kingdom of reality. And so So every one of his parables shows this underlying theme of design law. For instance, the parable of the lamp. Mm -hmm. If one lights a lamp and allows it to do what it does naturally, what does that lamp naturally do? It fills the room. That's right. It illuminates. What kind of law is that? Why does a lamp illuminate? It is not because some magistrate uh, passes an ordinance that directs a lamp to Mm -hmm. illuminate. That's just what lamps do. Mm -hmm. And thus, when we have truth and love of God in our hearts, metaphor of light, we share and we live that light in our community. That's what we naturally do when we're filled with the light of God's love. And so he's showing how the reality of God's kingdom works. Before I go into more of these, I wonder, is there particular parable that you would like to explore how this principle comes through. I would love for you to explain to me the parable of the sower. Here's a a guy that goes out and he's sowing the seed and it talks about the, the hard ground, the rocky ground, the fertile soil. Some of it grows, some of it doesn't. The weeds come up. How is God talking about his design laws in the parable of the sower? That's a great question. You simply ask the the question of why do the same species of seed grow differently? Mm. Is it because God uses his power to perform a miracle to make the seeds grow differently in different places? Or 
Are the seeds equally healthy when planted and receive equal amounts of sunshine and rain, but the soil in which they're planted is different? And that quality of soil actually makes a difference in how the seeds grow. And thus Jesus explains the soils, the different qualities, are the different hearts of people. Some people's hearts are hard and some people's are not. And thus the seeds of truth actually have a different consequence depending on the hearts of the people that receive the truth. That's how reality works. This just goes against what the world is saying. They're saying, there's all kinds of seeds. There's all kinds of seeds. God uses all kinds of seeds, and it's all different. It depends on who you are to what truth is. That's what I'm hearing in the world. Yeah, and of course, that is part of the devil's strategy yes, to confuse people. Yes. God's kingdom is the kingdom of love, truth, liberty, freedom, how reality works, the laws upon which creation is built to operate. And every one of his parables reveal this. Let's look at some more. Yes, yes. The parable of leaven. What's the lesson of leaven is yeast, okay? Putting yeast in dough, the bread rises. Mm -hmm. But how does that work? Is it that God will inspect the flour and dough and determine, well, this person put yeast in according to the rule that I set, so I'm going to use my power now to miraculously make that dough rise. Oh, this person didn't put the yeast in. They don't get my power. I won't make it rise. And God is performing miracles to make bread rise? Or is it simply the natural result of how these molecules work together under the laws of physics and biology that God has built reality? to operate upon. So when God applies these laws, when we have these laws applied to us, they're the same laws. They're the same seed. They're the same leaven. How we respond and what that leaven and those seeds do for us is up to us and our environment. Am I right? So the laws treat everyone the same. Yes. You take a, a Christian, a Jewish person, and a Muslim person, and you take them to the top of a building and they all jump off. Yep. Gravity yep. does not treat them differently. That's true. That's okay? true. Yeah, this is God's law, and this is what people don't understand. They actually think that if perhaps you have a different clothing, you're wearing the right cap or the right hat, or you prayed uh, in the right direction or the right number of times a day, or you had the right ritualistic baptism or, or whatever thing you do, then when you jump off the building, you get treated differently by the law. No. The law treats everyone the same. It is not rules like man makeup. This is the big lie in all religions that God's kingdom runs like a human government with rules that God enforces. How about the parable of the net? Yes. A fisherman pulls in a fish. Some are kept and some are discarded in the parable. What determines which fish are kept and which fish are discarded? There's no jury, there's no prosecutor, there's no defense lawyer, there's no judge. It's all based on the actual condition of the fish themselves. So too, in the end of time, what separates the saved from the lost? Jesus used the metaphor of the sheep and the goats, the weeds and the wheat. These metaphors or symbols are just showing the actual weeds are not wheat. Wheat is not weeds. Sheep are not goats. The actual condition of people, whether they've accepted the yeast or the leaven of truth into their hearts and been transformed in their characters to be godlike, or they've rejected it and hardened in selfishness to become Satan-like, that actually determines, in the end, who's saved and who's lost, participating with God or not. It's not a jury process. That whole idea of a jury process is fraudulent. It is simply metaphorical to teach a larger reality. Let me take a real quick sidestep here. That Bible text that says when Jesus comes, we will be changed. That does not mean, I hear you saying, that does not mean that we're suddenly going to become holy. What is changing us when Jesus comes? 
you're quoting a piece of a Bible text. Okay. Paul's referring to, if you read the whole thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the twinkling of an eye, this physical deformity puts on immortality. So mortality puts on immortality, corruption. So he's talking about the physiological change that comes. But the Bible also says in 1 John that when Jesus comes, we will see him face to face, for we shall be like him. In other words, we have already become like him in heart, in mind, in character, and then he simply gives us our new immortal body. So this transformation is not the transformation of heart that occurs at the second coming, it's simply the glorification that happens at the second coming. Let's do a couple of important parables. I think they're very yes. instructive. Yes. Jesus said from what comes out of the mouth, okay, is what condemns a person, not what goes into a mouth. And that's because what comes out of the mouth is an expression of what's in the heart character. The evil person brings forth evil, the evil stored up in him, and the good person brings forth good. The mathematician brings forth math, the musician brings forth music. It's simply a law of how reality works. People actually bring out of them what they have cherished within them. That's reality. Mm-hmm. How about this one? The laborers in the vineyard. I love this one. This is a great parable because it really powerfully exposes the fallacy of human law, the lie of penal legal salvation. If you remember the story, the owner goes out and hires somebody at the first hour of the morning and says, I'll pay you what is fair. Come work in my field today. And then he goes out later in the day and hires people. I'll pay you what is fair. And the in the midday, in the afternoon, with one hour left in the labor, he says, I'll pay you what is fair. And then as the day is done, they line up to get their pay. And he starts with the person who only worked an hour and goes back to the person who worked all day and gave them all the same pay. Mm. Now, does that sound fair? How about if we change it and say that the people that were hired in the morning were people of color and the people who only worked one hour were white people Mm. and they all got the same pay? Is this fair? Well, under the human law model, it's outrageously wrong. And that's the exposing that Jesus wants to expose because here's design law. The field is the field of souls that we're working to help God win. The payment is eternal life. This is the reward. And those who have accepted it early on in the day is early on in their life. And thus they've had their entire lives to work with God, to grow with him, to mature, to develop, to gain insight. They've gained all types of skills working in the field for the Lord and become more mature in character and wiser than the one who the thief on the cross joined only late in the day. And he got his coin, the eternal life, but he didn't get the joy of working all day. And thus when we see the design law elements at work here, we see how beautiful and fair God is and how completely corrupt the human system is. Wow. Okay, I like the one of the uh, the man that finds a treasure in this field, and so he sells everything he has to buy this field. What is God trying to tell us about his design laws there? So what's the natural thing? We see it every day all around us that people do when they treasure something in their heart more than anything else, whether it's a person and they they will destroy their lives to try to be with that person, sell everything they have, or give up everything to get that job or to get that car. Whatever we value, we will sacrifice to obtain. And thus the treasure in the field is eternal life. It is, it is a relationship with God. And when we value him most, we will we will divest ourselves of the things of the world 
it in order to have the treasure of eternal life. Now, in the last couple of minutes here, I'm going to turn the tables on you and ask you the question you asked me. Dr. Jennings, what is your favorite parable and why is it meaningful to you? I think I like the parable of the prodigal son because it exposes, again, there's no penal legal elements involved. The son doesn't come home and have to go through a jury process. He doesn't have to make a payment to his dad. He doesn't have to have an advocate plead to his dad. Uh, there is no judicial process at all. But it also gives powerful reality lessons to people today on how we deal with people who have knowingly run away from home and the principles upon which we've taught reality to live. So the son takes his inheritance goes into wild living. He ends up living with the pigs, eating the pig slop. The father is still very wealthy. Why didn't the father send money to the son to keep him in a hotel or sending pizza from Pizza Hut? Right. Because having having done that, it would teach the son that he's got he's still getting by. It's not so bad. He left him in the consequences that he chose. So the son, it says, come to his senses and said, I'm going to go home. And when he went home, all he had to do was have a heart that wanted to be one with his dad again. And his dad put the ring on his finger, gave him a new robe. He restored him. He healed him. And that is the reality of God's kingdom. When we come to our senses and say, I want to go home, God will fix the brokenness in us and restore us. Oh, that is such good news today on the Common Reason broadcast. Listener, I invite you to a website, commonreason.com. You can find much more information and Dr. Jennings' books and his blogs, television programs, radio programs, and just information that will help you learn the real meaning behind things, the deeper meaning behind things, even Christ's parables. And I want to thank you, Dr. Jennings, for that. And by the way, if you are a Facebooker, I invite you to join the Common Reason Facebook page, because every once in a while on that page, you'll find that Dr. Jennings does something amazing. His website gives books away, so you might want to check on that. That's on Facebook, Come and Reason. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you, Charles. Listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>